This evening, there is one talk in order to provide more of an opportunity for you to make a good, sincere confession. That, after all, is the great fruit of making a parish mission. Now, all that I told you on Tuesday night regarding sin and its punishment, and all that I spoke of last evening regarding death, judgment, and hell, all of these things are true. But there is something else that we must consider, and that is the mercy of God. For God desires not the death of the sinner, but that the sinner be converted and live. There is in the Old Testament the book of Judges. This narrates the experience of the Jewish people after they had entered into the promised land. They had sworn that they would uphold the commands of Almighty God. In particular, they would avoid pagan people so that they would be free from the contamination of worshiping false gods. But alas, as the book of Judges reveals, they did not do so. But they did mingle with the people of the territory and they worshiped false gods. As a result, the Lord God punished them by allowing their pagan neighbors to persecute them. Then the Jewish people came to their senses, recognized that the punishment was due to their sinful practices. They acknowledged their guilt before Almighty God, and He raised up for them a champion, a judge, who would defend them against the onslaughts of their pagan neighbors. Many of these judges are well known to us. Gideon, Jephthah, the strongest of all the Israelites, Samson. The book of Judges tells us, however, that after one judge brought relief to the people, the people quickly forgot about the goodness and mercy of God. And so the cycle began again. The Jewish people ignored the law of God and they were punished, punished by the pagan neighbors who persecuted them. They acknowledged their guilt and God raised up for them a champion. For God desires not the death of the sinner, but that the sinner be converted and live. One of the shortest books in the Old Testament is the book of Jonah the prophet. It is regarded by many Catholic scriptural scholars as an ecumenical book. 
Because the ones who receive the benefit of God's blessing are not the Jews, at least not in this book, but rather the pagans who persecute the Jews. You are, I'm sure, familiar with the story. The Lord God made known to Jonah that he was commissioned to go to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrians, and to cry out, in 40 days, Nineveh shall be destroyed. But instead of pursuing the command of the Lord God, Jonah took ship, went in an opposite direction. And while he was on board, a great storm arose. The captain, although he was a pagan, nonetheless feared God and implored, or rather commanded, all of his crew to pray to the Lord that they be delivered. He went in search of Jonah, who was a passenger. The prophet was found in the hold of the ship. He was roused and told to pray to his God. And then Jonah announced to the captain, I am the one responsible for this storm. To deliver yourselves, throw me into the sea. Most reluctantly, the captain, after some time of hesitation, agreed. And Jonah was pitched from the boat into the turbulent waters of the Mediterranean. And we are told that he was swallowed up by a great beast. And he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale until he was spat up upon dry ground. And when he was, he received once again the command from the Lord God. Go to the great city of Nineveh and announce to those people, in 40 days, Nineveh shall be destroyed. This time Jonah was obedient to the Lord God. Nineveh, we are told, was a huge city. So huge, it took a man three days to walk through it. And as Jonah approached the city, he cried out, In 40 days, Nineveh shall be destroyed. The prophet's message was relayed to the king. And the king ordered a fast. And that all of his people should sit in ashes and wear sackcloth. Who knows, he says, but the Lord God may it still be merciful to us. The people did penance and the Lord God was indeed merciful. And so he relented from the destruction he had threatened them. We find out why it was that Jonah, instead of obeying Almighty God initially, took ship in an opposite direction. 
For he knew that the Assyrians had over the course of the ages periodically persecuted his people. And he wished, he willed, that they be punished by the Lord God. And so he says that when he was given the command, he knew that God was merciful. But he, Jonah, had no mercy in his heart for those people who had afflicted his people. God desires not the death of the sinner, but that the sinner be converted and live. In the New Testament, in chapter 15 of St. Luke's Gospel, our divine Savior shows us a glimpse of the mercy of God. People objected that he ate with sinners. He pointed out to them that it was the sinner who more than anyone else needed mercy and forgiveness. He told the parable of the lost coin and of the lost sheep. And finally, he told the parable of the prodigal son. You are all familiar with that parable. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of the two sons badgered his father for his share of the inheritance. Finally, reluctantly, the old man agreed. And once the young boy had his share of his inheritance, we are told that he went to a far-off country where he wasted his money in riotous living. The young man undoubtedly had planned what he would do with his inheritance. He would go far from his homestead so that no report of his riotous living might reach the ears of his father. Our Lord does not dwell upon the sins that the young man committed. He merely tells us he wasted his fortune in riotous living. He focuses upon the misery which followed the dissipation of the young man's fortune. He tells us that after he had spent all of his capital, a famine broke out in that territory. And the young man, who had never worked a day in his life, was forced to hire himself out as a laborer. But the only job that he could get was tending the pigs. What an amazing detail. For all of us know that even to this day, the pig is an unclean animal as far as the Jews are concerned. And here, a representative of the Jewish people, a boy who had spent his fortune in riotous living, has been so reduced that he must take care of the pigs.
Christ tells us the state of his misery. He longed to eat the husks that were given to these animals. But there was no one to give him any. And so coming to himself, he said, How many laborers on my father's estate have more than enough to eat? And here am I, perishing with the hunger. I know what I shall do. I will arise and go to my father and confess, Father, I have offended before heaven and before thee. I am not worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. It took resolution on the part of the young man. Now, as he made his way back to his father's house, he would pass through that territory which had seen him parade out with a fortune, a foolish but wealthy young man. And now he comes back, his tail between his legs, downcast. He would be the butt of jokes. He cares nothing for them. In his humility, he wants to go to his father. And he is sincere that he does not wish to be welcomed as a son because he's not worthy. But rather, he appeals to his father to permit him to work on his estate. The scene now shifts. And the focus of our attention is no longer on the prodigal young man, but rather on his aged father. Reading between the lines, we can well imagine how every evening the old man walked to the crossroads, his tired eyes scanning the horizon, hoping against hope, for the return of his son, of his boy. And one night, he sees the familiar gauge of his son. His heart beats faster. He goes to meet him. The son, his confession prepared, kneels before the father and says, Father, I am not worthy to be called your son. I have offended before heaven and before thee. But the old man will hear no further. He gives orders. Put a ring on his fingers. Sandals on his feet. Kill the fatted calf. For this my son was dead and has come back to life. Was lost and is found. Many times when young men and young women leave their father's home. They waste their spiritual capital. They no longer go to Mass or frequent the sacraments. Sometimes they involve themselves with bad companions. They lose the state of grace. 
And in that period of their lives, affliction meets them. It may be sickness. It may be the loss of a job. But this affliction brings about remorse, sadness, drives them back once more to their father's house so that they make a sincere, humble confession. And as a result of that humble confession, they do receive a ring on the finger, sandals on their feet, for they are restored to sanctifying grace. And they are also invited to a banquet. It's not a fatted calf. No, it is rather the body, the blood, the soul, the divinity of Christ himself. God desires not the death of the sinner, but that the sinner be converted and live. God allows afflictions to come into man's life for man's benefit. These afflictions, the loss of a job, sickness, what do they mean in comparison to eternal life? Nothing. They are actually the means by which a conversion of soul is brought about. In our lives, we must practice virtue. At the time that you were baptized, God himself poured into your soul the theological virtues of faith, of hope, of charity, as well as the moral virtues by which you can merit an increase of sanctifying grace. It frequently happens that the devil who is our enemy tempts us to lose hope The two great temptations are called presumption and despair. Let me interject at this time the point that if we commit mortal sin, we lose sanctifying grace, we lose all of the virtues, all of the moral virtues, as well as the supernatural virtue of charity. But two virtues remain. And those two are faith and hope. Unless the sin that we commit is against faith or hope. Now the devil, who is our enemy, does try to destroy hope. 
And two great sins against this virtue are called presumption and despair. When we hear presumption explained, we recognize how terrible that sin is. But many times we are fooled when we learn about a worse sin, despair. A man presumes that God will give him a special grace at the end of his life so that he will be able to enter into heaven without being sorry for all of the sins that he has committed. We can see how terrible the sin of presumption is. We cannot presume to live for a single moment, let alone years. But bad as that sin of presumption is, a worse sin is the sin of despair. When one despairs, he looks at his own sins and says, My sins are so great that God cannot forgive me. This is far worse than the sin of presumption because this sin denies the mercy of God. God desires not the death of the sinner, but that the sinner be converted and live. We may, of course, recognize how evil we have been, regret, desire to do penance for that evil. But it is completely injurious to the mercy of God to deny that he can forgive us. As long as a man has life in his body, there is time for the grace of Almighty God. There is an interesting story from the life of the great cure of ours. A woman whose husband had committed suicide was destroyed. She tried to distract herself by leaving her home. She fell in with some companions who were going to ours to see the great cure. So she joined them. She entered into the church while the cure was hearing confessions. Suddenly, the door of the confessional opened and the cure himself walked out and up to this lady and said, Madam, he is saved. She was startled. How could this man know when a madam... I tell you, he is saved. Between the bridge and the water, there is room for the grace of God. God desires not the death of the sinner, but that the sinner be converted 
and live. We cannot be presumptuous, but it is far worse for us to despair. To despair denies the mercy of God. Somewhere in the Reculta or some other prayer book, there is a simple prayer addressed to our Lord hanging on the cross. I do not remember all of it, but some of it is this. O Lord Jesus Christ, there is one thing you cannot do. You cannot fail to have mercy. God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.